You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. the Paper Lord. <laughs> right, I'll take it. And welcome to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned. The sh- oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, every time you do it that way, I laugh my ass it's off. So it's funny. so weird. Welcome to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s and early 2000s, we rip off the rose-colored glasses from your face about said movies, and then we frame it for drugs, and we testify against it in court. The movie? The glasses? The glasses. The person? Wait, the glasses? <laughs> I thought you meant the movie. We framed the movie for something. Well, I mean, we could. That would make sense. I don't know what we're doing with sunglasses. Anyway, we're traveling <laughs> to 1994 for the partially animated family adventure comedy, The Page Master. Is it a comedy? Is it any of those things other than partially animated? I, I don't know, man. I think it's partially a movie. The, like, and you say partial. This is a 68-minute long film. Oh, my God. And that's with us. We had to pause it the entire with credits runs 75 minutes but all the promotional materials on imdb on rotten tomatoes on wikipedia it all says that it's an hour and 20 minutes long that's Dude, false i don't remember this movie flying by like this when i was a kid and we kind of have this background about it where i do remember a lot of the page master i used to watch it a lot you said you hardly remembered it right no dude i had this hobby as a kid and i still do it to this very day it's very strange whenever i go to someone's house i like to look at their collection of movies because it gives me this weird indication of who they are as a person, uh, just a general like acknowledgement of their tastes and what they like. And creepy, I, <laughs> really creepy. creepy. Yeah. Like as soon as I walk into a door, it's like, "Hey, uh, where's your bathroom? Where are your movies?" <laughs> no, but I did that with my aunt. I remember, and I remember this specific memory of holding the VHS case of the Page Master, asking to ask to watch it. Rather, I've seen this movie at least once or twice. I remembered absolutely nothing about it. In fact, I was startled when it went into animation, and that the rest of the movie is in animation. This movie has maybe like twenty minutes of actual like live action footage. It's funny because. Uh when we were talking about some of the names in this movie, there are some pretty big names in this movie. We talk about um, Christopher Lloyd, Macaulay Culkin, of course, um, Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Stewart, Leonard Nimoy, uh, the guy who plays Winnie the Pooh, Jim, Jim Cummings. Cummings. Yeah, Phil yeah. Hartman. All Phil Hartman. In this movie. Yeah, uh, there's so many people in this movie, and it's animated and just. It's strange. It's bizarre. I will say bizarre. I have not had a movie experience like this in a long time where I was just just scene after scene confounded. (laughs) If you'd seen this movie fresh for the first time while Brandon and I were watching it, you might think that it was accompanied by size every five minutes. Oh, man. Yeah, because, well, so it's directed by Joe Johnston. We have become strangely familiar with this gentleman. Jurassic Park 3, Jumanji, and now the Page Master. He didn't direct the uh, animated sequences I don't have that name off the top of my head, but when I saw it was Joe Johnson, I was in a mindset. I was like, all right, I kind of know what I'm getting. It's going to be a darker family film. And this was not that. No. It's very strange. Just weird. I think it's about the closest to an acid trip in a family film you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, well, so this is crazy. Some of the, the research I did about the movie before we start, before we get into this, it took three years to produce. What? The animation in the film was produced by uh, Turner Feature Animation, which eventually became Hanna-Barbera cartoons type of deal, or at least like spun off from them. Um, they're kind of responsible for An American Tale, of The Land Before Time, and Aladdin, which is why it's so similar to Aladdin. There are like plot points. There's like the Arabian Nights... Yeah. Uh, 
uh, uh, one point, magic carpet voice. The voice you mentioned or recognize that there's the guy Jim Cummings. Jim right? Cummings plays the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin, and he's in this movie too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a real uphill battle, I guess. Um, this was one of the first films to ever feature live action, traditional animation, and CG animation all together. Um, and so it just took a long ass time to make. But it was eventually released in 1994. It was made for $27 million. It only made 13.6, placing it, get this, 95th in the year. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So to give you a little taste of 94, top five movies were Forrest Gump, The Lion King, True Lies, The Santa Claus, and The Flintstones. Wow. Yeah. Interesting year. Yeah. So <laughs> it's got an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.0 on IMDb. I feel like this is a movie that people on IMDb, this is what this podcast is all about. I think this is a nostalgia movie through and through that if you watch this back in the day, you probably have fond memories of it, but I bet you haven't seen it in a while. This is, I, I mean, and that that was me when I was growing up. I loved this movie and I loved it, you know, th- throughout my growing up. Just because I hadn't seen it and now seen it, I mean, we get to see Nostalgia Be Damned in action with this movie because, <laughs> my God, Brandon, this movie yeah. is something else. So let's get into it, man. The, the tagline says it all. All the adventure your imagination can hold. Oh, yes. We actually watched the trailers before we started the movie, and there's this awesome shot where Macaulay Culkin's like holding his hand up like... Uh, like Luke Skywalker, yeah, or the Sword in the Stone, yeah, like yeah, that, Sword in the Stone, that iconic it's like image. coming down. Never in the movie. Never in the movie. Never and, and you kept telling me that's not in the movie. I would not have it until finally we're yeah. at 64 minutes yeah. or whatever the like fuck it was. The credits like, started early right. and I was like, I told you that shot is not in the movie. It's so weird. Uh, so why don't we, we start off, it's nighttime, uh, Macaulay Culkin, who plays Richard Tyler, I believe his name is. Yep, Richie Tyler. So he's sleeping in his bed. We're given a little uh, taste of what this kid is like. So all array around his room, there are these posters for like safety posters. One of them's like, caution, high voltage to remind him like not to put fucking forks in the electrical outlets or One something. One of them points him to the exit, you know, his bedroom door. He's got <laughs> like an emergency pair of boots hanging on the wall, first aid kit underneath which he checks to make sure is still there. <laughs> hey, kid's a nerd. Yeah, and you can actually hear in the other room his dad at the time of this being like, he's afraid of tuna sandwiches. <laughs> like, <laughs> this kid is the worst. It's because they have mercury. It's a dangerous thing. Clearly, clearly. Hashtag stop tuna. <laughs> So yeah, this pessimistic little shit, he basically just lives his life based on statistics. He's yeah. always just talking about how how incredibly easy it is, I guess, to get hurt. Yeah, he's talking about how he chased away his entire Little League team, telling him about uh, what shin splints lead to, <laughs> I mean, the, like concussion statistics or something ridiculous like that and he does that with his father too he's building him a tree house and of course he won't go up there because he's he hates heights and he hates ladders and mm-hmm. you know telling his dad you know 89 ah, percent of falling injuries occur <laughs> from ladders dad <laughs> his parents are exacerbated oh, god i mean Reasonably i don't blame so. him yeah i don't blame him i kind of want to bash some nerds right now dude i want to bash some nerds all right let's finish this let's go bash some nerds <laughs> so outside uh, he's like after his kid winds up knocking him off this treehouse that he's building him. He sends him to the store to get some nails. And out of nowhere, this fucking hurricane hits. Yeah, there's hail, there's <laughs> lightning, there's, like, gale force wind. It's <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. blowing trees down yeah. and shit. And he's got this, because he's so, like, petrified to even ride a bike, his bike is outfitted specifically to, like, 
be extra safe. There's like a shield on top of it and stuff. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it has an alarm on it that's always going off. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so he, he rides up and he sees these kids who are jumping over construction equipment or something yep, like that. Yeah, they're being total badasses, Pretty dangerous, dude. but pretty sweet for 90s kids, man. Absolutely. And of course, they make fun of the nerd. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't bash him. Yeah, I, it was really weird, and I was kind of startled there was no nerd bashing, but he turns right around and heads. Somehow he gets to the Central Park where there's a library nearby. I, I don't know the city planning at all, but it seems like he's in a park, and then immediately the library's there. So the build-up to this library, too, is is very strange because it's a lot of, like, his fears are being proven. I mean, like, he almost gets struck by lightning twice. Like, the lights in this tunnel that he's driving through are exploding over his head. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, well, now I kind of get this kid being scared of literally everything. If yeah. he goes down the street to get some nails and a hurricane hits him. It almost makes sense that it'd have... Like extra boots in case glass falls on his floor, right. which was the sign next to it. This is in case, oh, of, in glass. case of glass. <laughs> He's got boots to walk oh, out of his right. house. Anyway, so he gets into the library, and there's this strange, awkward silence. It's a minute of him like seeing Christopher Lloyd, and it's like, oh, nice, Christopher Lloyd. Fucking Doc Brown's in this movie. Yeah, it's gonna he be plays, good, dude. He plays the librarian. He plays the librarian. He walks up a solid minute of just silence, staring directly into Macaulay Culkin's eyes, and just gets right up into his face, and he's like, welcome to the library, young man. And you know, as a kid, this was very ominous and mysterious and you know it piqued your curiosity as adults our immediate thought was pedophile pedophile Pedoph- pedophile yeah, it's so intimidating it's so in- he yeah, basically scary, backs his man. kid into a corner and then then magically creates a library card he's like oh why don't you check out some books i don't have a library card and he's like well now you do now you do bitch and he's like scaring him he's like you like horror <laughs> yeah. people getting eaten and children getting molested in libraries <laughs> holy shit that was a hard right turn <laughs> but no so he's basically like what does the kid ask for is it like to go to the or to use the phone he he wants to use the phone i guess he to asks, call his parents right? yeah, yeah yeah i guess he asks for the public fo- he must ask for the public phone because there's a phone right on the desk we see it we saw <laughs> we do, it we yeah. paused it we went back and we saw it but the he's phone just was like right there in the back of the library whatever past here gives him some directions so he walks on back there and, and in the center of the library is this like giant mural on the ceiling with all of these different characters from classic literature it's like the sistine chapel but it's got For libraries it's got treasure island moby dick dragons dragons uh, and dr jekyll and mr hyde i guess yeah jekyll and hyde so that's the other thing i want to ask you about is like how at your age when you saw this movie did you get any of the literary references like i understood moby dick and jekyll and hyde but i didn't understand treasure island uh I, I guess the dragon thing was kind of vague enough, but I, I thought it maybe was yeah. supposed to be like a King Arthur sort of thing. It just seems strange that they're referencing all these like classic books. I, well, get I was going to say, plot, there's but... a lot of books in this movie that I, I mean, Gulliver's Travels never heard of that no, before I, I saw that movie. I wouldn't know why you would as a kid. Like no. It just seems like a weird art target demographic that they're going for for the movie, but at the same time they're referencing all these books that I would assume no kid had read at that point. I, I guess the whole point is to try and get kids peaked uh, yeah, you I know, guess. Get their interest peaked a little bit to read some of these books and be like oh, that's from the page master, but like I, I don't know. Just uh, who are you? Get, you're it's right. Who are you going nerds, after? Dude. Because no, it is turning kids into nerds. Dude, we got, and we got nerds, bash so many nerds. Oh, we bash so many nerds, dude. <laughs> so this is my favorite '90s trope. I think it's actually happened in a few of our movies already. Where a, where slipping is the like, it's a plot point. Like if this doesn't happen, the rest of the movie doesn't happen. I mean, it apparently happened there's in- some water leaking on the ground. Well, so he's. 
he's covered in rainwater from oh, running right. out in the storm, and it's dripping on the floor, and he slips on it. And then, boom, he smashes his head pretty violently on the ground. And at this point, I'm convinced he's dead. And the rest of this is just some hellish vision he has before. It's like his last dying breath. I mean, it makes a lot more sense like, than what the happens? idea of, of yeah. what, like, what happens to him is actually a real thing. Because the when he wakes up, the mural, the ceiling mural, starts dripping. And all this, like, paint is splat CGI, by the way, all weird-looking CGI. It's, like, dripping down beside him. And he starts freaking out and running around. And then all of a sudden, the paint washes down into this flood that starts literally flooding the library turning everything animated until it finally engulfs the entire frame and then for the next i would say 45 minutes of this movie 50 minutes it's all animated i remember the sequence being very colorful and kind of cool looking um but i mean that was back in the 90s man you know as a you know, as a viewer now, it looks real bad. It looks sketchy. And the animation in this movie, let's stop and talk about the animation really quick. It's just so very bare. Like, it, it, there's not a lot of movement. They use the same backgrounds for a lot. And we talked about this in Titan A because it's actually very similar like character animation in this, but mm-hmm. the colors seem so muted and just, and I think that might be because it's a DVD transfer. Maybe it's not high def, but at the same time, I can't imagine the Blu-ray looking that much better than this. It just looks very muted. The colors are just lifeless. Well, and now that you say it at the beginning of the podcast, you said that this animation studio ended up playing a big role in Hanna-Barra, right? Yeah. Hanna- yeah. Scooby-Doo I mean, and Yogi Bear. It looks like, a lot of the back... I, I said this at one point when we were watching the movie. The, a lot of the backgrounds look like Looney Tunes almost. Yeah. Or like yep. Scooby-Doo. They just... They're this very uh, standard, not really a lot of effort put into it sort of background. And then everything else in front of it, it makes it almost look like a green screen yeah. that they're standing in front of. But it's, it's an animation. Yeah. it's No detail was put into really any of the, the backgrounds, the characters... It just looks like shit for the most part. It really it's does. Really There's bad. a few specific moments that I'll get into where I kind of enjoyed the animation style mm-hmm. because I like 2D animation and I like a lot of the works that that company did. And I, again, I think the company that made this was a spinoff of Hanna-Barbera because they were obviously around forever, like beforehand. But yeah, I just did was not a fan of the animation and I was not a fan that so much of the movie took place in the animated world. I was convinced that this might this movie maybe was half and half. No, but it's not. This is this is really an no, animated an movie almost, with a yeah. with a live action prologue or whatever. I, it's got more animation than Space Jam, dude. <laughs> that it does. Always that comes does. back to Space Jam, man. So when he wakes up, he's it's, it's, yeah, he seems really unfazed. He's just like, oh, I'm a cartoon. <laughs> like, oh, I'm shit, a cartoon. Tweet. Yeah, it doesn't freak out. And then Christopher Lloyd, who's now animated to look like this giant wizard who's dubbed the Page Masters, like, you are an illustration. And it's like someone told him to Doc Brown the hell out of this because it's oh, like yeah. he is. I could see him or every single time I heard his voice, I pictured him in the voice like recording booth going fucking ape shit running oh, around. Yeah. The, like, he's, he's very just, Doc Everything's Brown over the this. top. Yeah, That's a good way to put it. It's yeah. like when Christopher Walken does his Christopher Walken voice. It's yeah. like, yeah, he just got into Doc Brown and everything was just like, you are an illustration. <laughs> and by the way, correcting him that he's a cartoon. He's like, no, you're an illustration. All right, Mr. Sixth Grade English. <laughs> Calm down. What yeah, a buzz chill out. So, God, I want to bash nerds. <laughs> so the page master, who is the keeper of the works and guardian of the written word, 
basically sets up the next, you know, two acts of this goddamn movie. Ugh. He has to solve three or get through three obstacles that are kind of steeped in classic literature in order to get home. Um, he has to pass through horror, adventure, and fantasy. He's also told that when in doubt, look to the books. Oh, yeah. That's kind of, of only his cryptic message. Look and to then- the books! <laughs> Christopher Lloyd then fucking exits this movie until the end. Like, he's yep. gone. Again, yep, gone. his name, it, it goes Macaulay Culkin, Christopher Lloyd, above the title on the poster for this movie, I expect some Christopher Lloyd. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's all over this movie, and he's all over the trailers that we were watching. Barely in the movie. It's sad, dude. So, then we're introduced to these three books, all right? They come one by one, and we'll get into each one. I also want to touch on Macaulay Culkin. So, he's now an animated character. Macaulay Mm -hmm. Culkin obviously does the voiceover. It's, it looks like a weird, like, alien Ellen DeGeneres. I'm glad you brought this up because it, it looks... bizarre. I'm glad you brought this up because it looks like a caricature. Yeah, yeah. Like, it really does. His lips it looks and his really eyes bad. and glasses, it looks weird. He looks like it's a little fish It's very exaggerated and lanky. It's... Gr- I don't know. So Patrick Stewart, kind of, kind of psyched about that. He plays uh, Adventure, who's this pirate book. Dude, I had no idea that this pirate was Patrick Stewart. You would not know if you listened to him. He... I mean, he's one of the greatest actors ever, really. He does a great uh, voice performance here. It's actually mm-hmm. not bad. Like he, He's probably the only one who's putting in a lot of effort, I guess, into his vocal performance. Macaulay Culkin um, is sleepwalking. Like, I guess he's just like... I mean, he's a kid. Yeah, know? he's a kid, but there's literally no effort at all in any of it, except no. for his screams that sound like they were just taken from the Home Alone trailer. <laughs> right. It's the same scream again and again and again. I mean, listen, man, I'd have loved to make dollars off of just screaming. <laughs> That's true. He made a whole career. Yeah, off he of made screaming. a whole career out of it, and good for him. So there, the pirate book here, adventure tells them that they want to be checked out. Essentially, right? These these books want to leave the library. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a hellish, t- terrible place to live, or what's the deal is. I guess they just haven't been opened or touched in so long. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there's this really weird, bizarre, like plot point right off ahead where he needs to get to a certain book so the pirate book opens 20,000 leagues under the sea and they unleash this giant fucking squid monster into the library that again floods the halls to like push them up but then it immediately goes away it's like the animators forgot about it and the squid's gone Mm -hmm. and that literally meant nothing because then they find the fantasy book who's played by Whoopi Goldberg who has a magic wand that can that can also like grant but wishes, it, but it only kind of works in the fantasy section of the library. Even though it works in the horror section, then it doesn't work. And yeah. I don't know. It's pointless. It's, she asks, "What's your one wish?" He wishes to get out of the library, and she's like, "Well, we do too." Like, yeah, it's really then it starts to like is like what's happening. Yeah, to these now books you're wondering what are happening to this, and I, it goes back to the creepy librarian man. It's got to what Lloyd. the hell does he? What do is to he these doing books? with these books, man? Oh man, and so yeah, it, it's just dull. All the animation is dull. The colors are extremely inconsistent. And again, I don't know if All over they're the purposefully place. doing this, but literally his shirt changes color 20 times from different, like an orange to a red to a pink hue. I mean, just everything about him. It's like they just they went through day by day and they were like, okay, what is he in this scene? Alright, purple. Yeah. Like, so, honestly, it's it's weird. It, it And I guess it is like trying to reflect on the lighting and the tones in the scene, but it 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 just comes off as kind of weird. They didn't do a good job at it, you know? It's one thing if they'd maybe just softened the colors a little bit or just a little tint. No, it's like completely different color tones every different scene. And it's so dull. Everything's just just 
not bright like the the animation we're so used to today and even like the disney stuff at this time was just so much brighter and livelier and it's it just it's a real bummer it's almost yeah do you remember that movie the black cauldron i believe it was it reminded yes. me of that but not as like well animated but just the color tone and palette so then we move on to the first, um, I guess, obstacle that he has to pass. We're introduced to the Book of Horror. He's voiced by Frank Welker, who's done so many. Like, vo- If you look up his, his uh, IMDb page, it's, it has hundreds of movies that he's acted in. He makes a career pretty much off of just like dog noises and animal noises. It's kind of <laughs> hilarious. But, oh, that makes sense yeah. now because there's a scene later in the movie where he makes a dog noise out of nowhere. Yeah, and so the adventure book looks like a pirate. The fantasy book looks like a fairy. The horror book looks like a like a ego i guess like yeah, igor rather uh, he, like frankenstein yeah like yeah frankenstein's, <laughs> no, frankenstein's over, like he's he's hunched back a little bit his one eye's bigger than the other and it's like a lazy eye and he's just he's decaying a little bit it's almost like the hunchback of notre dame or yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and he's just not all there mentally and so they treat him really badly and he also does this weird like really is. La- it's no, like that that's his laugh like and, and they fill so many scenes with that like they'll be <laughs> They'll be walk. I remember when they meet him um, because they're outside this giant house, and he's like, "I need to get to the exit." He's like, "Well, if you take me with you, uh, I would love to show you through the house or whatever." But I'm scared because he because of yeah, course horrors are scared his, to get. But anyway, they're you know so they agree to go up, and they're walking up to the house, and there's like a five second delay of them starting at the bottom of the steps to opening the door, and all it is, it's just like this wide shot, and you just hear. God, (laughs) it's grating. But so this house belongs to Doctor Jekyll, uh, who will become Mister Hyde in a bit. He's voiced by Leonard Nimoy, dude. Yes, he is. That's pretty cool. I was pretty excited about that one. I was too, and I was actually excited because I am a huge fan of horror animation. I love the way when when uh, animated films can get really dark and weird. Mm -hmm. And I was expecting some cool visuals. You don't really get them at all. Um, But I would say out of the I guess three locations we get. This one might be my favorite just because I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that like type of horror and well, whatnot. I, I think out of the three trials, I think this one is one of the most compelling in terms of just tone. It's one where the muted colors and the emptiness kind of make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, it it creates this feeling of just like darkness and emptiness and um but when he turns into Mr. Hyde I, I remember loving that sequence when I was a kid because it's, you know, because you kind of know the story of Dr. Jekyll sure. and Mr. Hyde. But when you see it kind of unfolding, I think I, I love when they try and take classic literature like this and just make it into their own and try and make it scary. Whether or not they succeeded in this movie is one thing, but I commend the effort. Dude, it's something. It's something. Yeah. And so Jekyll, yeah, he takes this potion. He turns into Mr. Hyde. And he starts, like, trying to chase him around and whatnot. He winds up getting hit in the head by a chandelier, falling down this hole. And then, so they make their way to, through to the end of the house after all of these books just start exploding with ghosts and whatnot. Again, there's no real trial he has to overcome other than literally getting through no, a house. No, he just ran away. And, like, yeah, and the thing about even the chandelier, he's not the cause of the chandelier to fall to, like, cause Mr. Hyde to not attack them. No, like, wasn't it fantasy? Yeah, it was fantasy. Like, he does nothing in his trials that really change the outcome of what happens. But regardless, they get through the end and uh, then they see what's basically the ocean, right? And now we're on to trial number two. Now we're into adventure. 
Yeah, and just like that. So Adventure is obviously the book Adventure, Jesus, is obviously very excited about moving forward. They get in a rowboat, and literally in a second, it turns very green and pale and gray, and it's like the water's choppy. Maybe we should have stayed back. That's Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And suddenly they are thrust into what you think is going to be one of the biggest part parts in the film, uh, the Moby Dick sequence. Dude, it was my, like my favorite part. And I think animation-wise, mm-hmm. is, it is my favorite part because then everything all of a sudden turns red and like really dark and contrasty. Yeah, and everybody's silhouetted. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Captain Ahab comes out and then, yeah, they start to like, Moby Dick comes out of the water, crashes down on them, and then it goes after the uh, Macaulay Culkin's character and the, the three books. And then it literally comes out of the water, crashes down on them, and then you don't see it again. Then That's the animation it. goes back to bland and shitty and that was it. It was literally yeah, it was like, a minute and a half. Yeah, it was a minute and a half. It's so disappointing, too, because it, you know, it's on the mural on the ceiling. Um, when you're watching the trailer, you're led to believe that it plays a huge part in the movie. It, Like you said, it's like 90 seconds long. And instead we get, they spend so much time on this next one, which is the Pirates, which I do not care. It's my least favorite one of this, and they give them the most time, it feels. Yeah. This is supposed to be Treasure Island. They're picked up by Long John Silver and his crew. And this next sequence... It, it just feels like it's on crack to me because they never stop talking. That's true. Yeah, there's not a moment anything. of silence. There's not a break in the action. It's crazy. And it's like it's like 15 minutes long. It's like a good chunk of this hour and a <laughs> hour and eight minute movie. Yeah. So they get uh, kidnapped at this point, though. Uh, they think fantasy and horror are dead because they cannot find them. Adventure is like almost crying, or no, Macaulay Culkin's rather, almost crying about the fact that they can't find these two books that we've literally been with maybe 20 minutes at the absolute yeah, most. Yeah, he has no sort of There's no connection there. <laughs> he shouldn't connection, give a shit yeah. about him, but anyway. So it's just Adventure and Macaulay Culkin. They get like kidnapped by these Caribbean like bandits. Oh, it's super, <laughs> super racist. racist. It's yeah. super racist, dude. Like their, li- their lips are like really They're big. Spit- all the time spit, yeah, yeah it's it's testy man it's not good so yeah they they get put on this boat this the pirate captain long john silver who's also voiced by jim cummings and then they stop at treasure island apparently the treasure's always already been dug up in which actually there was the, like the one laugh of this movie was when like <laughs> the, the treasure already bug, dug up there's only like one gold to bloom on the bottom and like the pirates find it and they're like what the hell? This is all there is for the treasure, or whatever. So they get into like like a little huddle, and they're like, "Let's kill him and eat his parrot." But it's like super <laughs> quick, and the only laugh I got out of this whole thing. So then they turn on Long John Silver, and then there's this whole stupid like, "Guess what, guys? Horror and fantasy aren't dead." Oh, what? And they come to save the day. Oh my god! So she's using her wand, and they're knocking coconuts off trees to knock these guys it's out. It's a very and... slapstick uh, action sequence, you know, just mistake and fumbling, Dude, swashbuckling action. You know what? Pirates of the Caribbean owes a lot to this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a whole yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum line and all right. that good stuff there, dude. Yep. Not, didn't have anything to do with the original book or pirate lore. So at the end of this whole scene, uh, basically, Macaulay Culkin has a sword held on Long John Silver, and he's like, you don't have the guts, pretty much. And then he really doesn't. He's just kind of shaking and still afraid, but then eventually the pirate steps down and he's like, oh, well, you, good, good, good sailing, matey. We're friends now at this point. So he leaves. And then we're meant to believe, I guess, that that Richie's had some sort of like one of his balls dropped at that point, I guess. Yeah, like he's that was a like his bra- here, yeah, that was his brave moment or something like that. I it, the, the my problem with this movie, and I was going to bring this up anyway. Next, um, 
we failed to mention that Long John Silver throws away Richie's library card, which would get the books out. Yeah, I guess um, they need this. Yeah, and he's just sad. And like in the next two minutes, I mean, literally not maybe less than ten minutes since the card was thrown away, they find the card like washed up on the beach. Yeah, this whole movie is just a sequence of like very minor conflict and then resolved immediately there's there's no through lines there's nothing that can keep that keeps you interested or invested that they're going to pay off later on it's literally everything they set up they have to resolve in minutes and it's like they it's almost like the filmmakers are asking you to just believe that the character development is happening while you're not watching i guess dude because then there's this whole they throw this part into it now is that horror is asking to be more like adventure so there's this whole thing of like oh be who you are you don't have to conform and be like different people but Mm -hmm. you can also you know do different things and branch out and that type of fucking chestnut of info yeah but adventure yells at them and then they're sad and literally two minutes later they're like horror is missing and then adventure finds him and is like ah if only i could take you back or <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that i mean it's literally t- two minutes apart it's just again just up down up down up down it's like they had no structure to this movie yeah and this is why the whole gulliver's travels reference that's just thrown away again and then then the movie literally stops for two and a half minutes for a music montage. Oh, it literally comes out of nowhere. They're like walking, and then all of a sudden it starts panning into the trees, and then this song starts. By the way, it's called Whatever You Imagine. It was nominated for a Grammy. It was sung by Wendy Moten. Uh, apparently there's two songs in this movie. One's called Dream Away, and that one was sung by Babyface. Uh, yes, Babyface and... Uh some other woman who I can't remember. Uh, the other song in this sequence is actually a pretty good song. It's just kind of just out of nowhere, and it doesn't really fit the tone of the movie. Then they just start referencing. There's a whole bunch of like Humpty Dumpty and Mother Goose and all this like references to books and shit. Yeah, these fra- yeah, it's and like this is this is when they're in the fantasy section, and it's literally just like bam, 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 like that. They just get through it. They're like, okay, fantasy section, you're done. Yeah, and he doesn't like do anything there's no there's no mission to accomplish at this point it's just like you remember these books like just shots yeah, from no. different books it's like there's these little fairies that come and steal his glasses and my glasses yeah take him through the montage so many nerds dude so uh, at this point they realize that they're in uh or they think they're in a cave just kidding they're in a fucking giant dragon's mouth so this part was kind of cool the animation's not bad they yeah. escape the mouth and yeah the dragon emerges he gets up and fantasy saves him him with a magic rug from the book Arabian Nights. Yep. Then the dragon winds up eating her wand while continuing to throw fireballs and flames everywhere. But does that matter? Does that ever get brought up ever again? Well, so they're hiding in this cave, and then Adventure, who's like chilling, he's like gonna go run out and save the day. Um, all of a sudden, he's just been he's just told to be careful. That's all fantasy says. Like, just be careful. And he like stops and drops everything and just starts making out with her, dude. Spine yeah. to spine book action. Oh my god. It was pretty hot. It was pretty hot, honestly. Yeah, I, had pretty to, hot. Yeah, I had to chub. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so after the makeout sesh, dude, there's a couple of these lines like he tells her to curl up with a good book and then she replies, in your dreams and like slaps him out of the cave. We can just stop, I guess, for a, a nice little sexual innuendo joke during this dragon battle. Also... I, I didn't want to bring this up, but her pantyhose fall down, like, right after that. She's, like, dragging him back up, and it's like, whoa! It's super embarrassing. Which, this is, like, a joke that they've gone through yeah. before. 
um, about like her having pantyhose that are like falling off or something yes. like that. But that just seems like a weird time to bring it up, man. Yeah, it's a weird time to to, to play that joke again because she's just talked about you know stop stop kissing me and then her pantyhose drops down. What are we led to believe as an audience? Yeah, and they're doing this in front of horror. That poor book. Yeah, he's literally the. <laughs> he's, he actually sounds a lot like our Freddie Prince Jr. Now that I think of it. Let's just <laughs> let's just assume. I mean, it makes sense. Horror is Freddie Perrins Jr. from (laughs) I Know What You Did Last Summer. All right, we're good. Yeah, Richie pulls a knight's tail, and he steals some, like, armor from this corpse. And, you know, he starts to fight the dragon, but I think he gets maybe two swings in and is immediately eaten. Once he's then in the stomach, the stomach looks like this crazy weird hellscape. Yeah. And he finds the wand. And then he has this acid flashback memory of when, like, the the page master told him, you know, when in doubt, look to the books. So he starts rummaging through all these books, and he finds Jack and the Beanstalk. And a beanstalk shoots out of the, the dragon's mouth. He climbs it and is hoisted to safety. Done. Problem evaded. Yep. Dragon doesn't die. Nobody else dies. Just there. Trial number three. Done. So yeah, they're at the top of whatever this is, Book Mountain or whatever. They've been searching for the exit, the exit. sign. Which it's is the exit. Like this godlike figure in the sky or whatever. So they get there and there's this stupid sky beam type thing that you see in all the superhero movies nowadays. I don't know. It's just a blue light flashing up into the sky and the page master's there. And Richie immediately starts treating him like a dick. Like he's like, oh, oh yeah. I had to travel this whole fucking time, dude. <laughs> what have you been doing? I got ate by a fucking dragon, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's been my night bro <laughs> by the way before we continue just want to throw this out there he absolutely goes in the terrible male protagonist oh for sure everything from his stupid catchphrases this is this is not good this is definitely not good <sighs> to his just overall demeanor like he's terrible god damn it so yeah then the page master's like go into the blue light young man he winds up getting sent into the blue whirling light or whatever, and then his cartoon body gets thrown into Macaulay Culkin, Culkin, <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's lifeless corpse, who's been like lying in the center of the library this whole time. Oh, yeah. By the way, what was Christopher Lloyd doing with this poor body that's been in the middle of the library, dude? I have to ask. I Do we want to infer what was happening? I feel like we've towed the line a few times in this episode. Yeah, we're not going to get into it. But, but anyway, the kid winds up waking up. Christopher Lloyd shuffles on in again, and he's basically like, how was your trip? I guess. Like, yeah, he takes like, the white acid having, out of his yeah, mouth. So having fun. <laughs> so the kid's like... Uh, yeah, I, can I check out some books? These are the three books that came back with him, uh, Adventure, Horror, and Fantasy, and he wants to, again, take them out of sl- book slavery, essentially. As he promised, yeah. yeah. And so, but then it's like this, like, f- like a wet fart in a library. The guy's like, guess what? <laughs> There's a two-book limit. <laughs> He's uh, like, oh, no, but I need three. Please, please. He starts to take away horror. He's like, I promised him. And he's like, who'd you promise you dumb who'd you fuck? Promise? <laughs> It's like, kid, you got fucking issues. (laughs) So eventually he's like, all right, well, just this once. Gives him all three of the books and the kid is off. So Richie has clearly learned his lesson now because he's riding his bike without all the bells and whistles, literally. Recklessly, bro. Reckless. And he gets to the construction place where all the kids made fun of him for being a freaking nerd. (laughs) Deservedly so. Deservedly so. Should have been bashed. (laughs) Dude, he fucking flies off E.T. style and jumps this like pipe or whatever. Yeah. Lands on the other side, looks around. No one saw him, obviously. Yeah. He's a goddamn badass. He knows it. And he drives away. And contrary to what he's been saying the entire movie, he goes, this is good. This is definitely good. 
gets home Ugh. and uh, falls asleep in the treehouse that his dad built him. His parents come outside and realize that their kid's not a fucking douche anymore. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he went up, let's wake him up. And he's like, no, let's let him sleep in there. And then we get the longest pullout I think I've oh ever had. <laughs> well, it I mean, literally was so long that... It faded to black, and it was still going for, like, another 10 seconds. They must have had to stretch this out for, for like, I don't even know how a 65-minute movie gets into theaters. But, I mean, anyway, there's a long pullout after uh, horror wishes for the lights to cur- turn on. So Fantasy's like, I wish granted. Light turns on, and then their shadows are playing on the wall, or talking anyway. Yeah. And he's like, and Horror's like, why are you crying? And, <laughs> because I have friends. <laughs> Literally a line. And he's like, that you do, matey. And then, yeah, then it's just like, uh, can I have a kiss or something like that? And we fade to black over an argument over who's going to kiss Fantasy. Yeah, and, because, and, uh, be- well, because Horror ends up kissing <laughs> Adventure, and oh, he's like, yeah. "Not fun <laughs> you, motherfucker!" <laughs> and then the last line is just Whoopi Goldberg laughing, and that's Page Master. Holy dude. shit, dude! The movie that teaches kids, you know what? Books can be cool as movies, <laughs> and stop being a pussy and jump that pipe. You know what? It's great that he overcame his fears by doing nothing and running the whole time. But at the end of the day, he fell asleep in a treehouse with three books. He's still a nerd. He's still going to get bashed. Absolutely. Absolutely. If anyone had seen him jump that thing, he would have gotten bashed right then and there. (laughs) So before we close this out on what we thought of the page, Master, a few little behind-the-scenes tidbits, my friend. Um, So first off, there was a video game made up of this movie. Did you play it? Did you play it? Yeah, I did play it. What was it on? Like Sega or some shit? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean... It was so long ago, but it was wasn't it just like a side scroller or something like that? It was it was really stupid. Oh, the PC game. It's an inter- interactive game and the handheld version is a platformer. That's all. The, the handheld version is what I played. Yeah. Well, uh, Macaulay Culkin earned a Razzie Award nomination for his performance in this movie. Wow, that's brutal to give to a kid. Man. <laughs> I know. Like- that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he deserves it, but... (laughs) No, he does, he does. Um, And then the other crazy thing is, I guess, at the time, this case was the most expensive and extensive investigation of um, screenwriting credits. I guess there was this huge, like, legal battle about who actually wrote the movie, and, like, settlements were paid by 20th Century Fox and whatnot, and then they had to settle for, like, two or three people got writing credit on the movie. I don't know who was fighting over this. But you should stop. Who was the one who was like, no, no, it's mine. It's mine. Yeah, okay, dude. I am the page master. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious to your thoughts on this. I had never seen it. So, you know, my. You had seen it, right? Again, I had seen it so long ago that I remember nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I probably only saw it maybe twice at the absolute most. And this is solidly 18 years since I must have seen this movie. I mean, we touched on this at the beginning of the podcast, that this is specifically what this podcast is for. Because I loved this movie as a kid. I watched it all the time. And then I just didn't watch it again. And I, it just held in the back of my mind. I was like, no, it, I'm sure it's got its flaws, but it's still pretty good. Man, wrong, 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 wrong. (laughs) There's, you know, there's all these problems with obviously like it's awkward. The acting from Macaulay Culkin's really bad. Uh, But then some of the things that you pick up as an older moviegoer where, you know, the animation's really bad. Uh, The colors are really boring. It's a short, short movie. Everything feels super rushed. And it just, yeah, I'm heartbroken about this one, man. I really am. I wanted it to be good, but it's not. I know. I feel like I I should hug you now. Uh, It's okay, man. (laughs) I see. Yeah. From someone who just couldn't remember a thing about it. uh, 
again, I was thrown by the fact that it was a lot more animation than I thought it was. I was also just turned off by how quickly everything was resolved and how really the plot, the scenes make really don't matter when they're put next to each other. Like, despite it having like a a progression of of plot points toward the end, like of these like because they set the structure of there mm-hmm. these three things you need to accomplish. It's like scenes go on and on and. There's no through line or connection between almost any of it. You absolutely could have mixed up almost every scene in this movie yeah. in a different order, and it wouldn't have made no difference. Uh, like I was confused. Why would they go with horror first and then yeah, adventure s- fantasy? It seems like you'd go with the softer stuff to the the more terrifying thing, especially where the character is so scared of everything. And even the trials themselves don't have any creativity to them. It's literally get through a house or get to this beach or like it just means yeah. nothing really nothing no in the he long doesn't run. do anything until the very end of the movie and then even when he does that he kind of screws up so when i remove like what the storyline is about and you have to focus on the visuals or the style of it and that pales in comparison to what was coming out then and certainly what's coming out now i mean the freaking lion king came out that i was gonna year. say this is the same year as the lion king Whoopi goldberg did two voices in, in animated movies so in 1994 Cummings, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like there were better animated movies out, and this just doesn't have the hook. I just can't imagine this appealing to too many 10-year-olds. Like, I get the idea of, like, dragons obviously are exciting, and pirates, I guess, on the surface are exciting. But it's, like, the references that it makes to, like, literary works, I just don't think it connects really. Yeah, that target demographic is not going to understand Moby Dick. It's not going to understand... Uh, some of the themes like Treasure Island about, you know, mutiny and stuff like that. It's just not going to under, you know, kids that age are not going to get a lot of the literature. They'll, they they might like the journey. Like I, I know I did. I liked the journey, but I would never have gotten some of those references. So I actually think the kernel, like the nugget of idea, a kid goes into all, like all these classic books and has to solve trials. And that's a cool idea. That would actually oh, yeah. lend itself, I think, to a really good, Netflix young adult series about like a kid who has to go through these you know books or whatever to fix solve puzzles or whatever yeah. the fuck like I think that could be an interesting idea and concept go through but, instant classics or yeah, yeah. Or, or just stuff that I think at that age level they would at least even if they haven't read it they'd know about it and could understand the references it's like yeah. someone watching scary movie and never having seen any of the horror movies you'll get a movie out of it Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly as rewarding as you'd expect from someone who gets all the in-jokes and whatnot. Yeah, it's like a movie that was made for people who have been through high school literature courses, but yeah. they don't target to those people. They target to the younger kids, and it, it I don't know. You said it took three years to produce this movie. <laughs> yeah. I they, It must have just gotten so disjointed at one point where they were like, it just go with it yeah just and it's, go it's sadly it's a waste of time like yeah a waste really of time is. and money and it clearly like audiences said the same thing this was a dud at the box office for some reason though this has maintained this like cult following because it's a movie that i still feel like people talk about or is at least on the mind of a lot of 90s kids like despite not seeing this a lot as a kid i knew of it all always like well i think it's not readily available and i think a lot of people are kind of stuck in that mindset of yeah that movie was great i loved it when i was a kid but i don't think anybody's gotten the opportunity to watch it now and just kind of see like man if you want to talk about a 90s cartoon that you liked there are plenty of other ones that were way better than this one yeah the animation reminded me do you remember the movie the brave little toaster yes that's what it reminded me of like the weird yeah, blocky yeah, animation, yeah. but not as colorful as that movie like yeah 
So again, to grade this movie, there I like the general idea of it. Uh, I like the fact that it's that it's a little bit of a darker G-rated family movie. Like there are some kind of cool, like with the dragon and and a quick couple of parts in that Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde scene. I'll give it. Uh, I'm going to give it a twenty. It's the same as I gave it as Rookie of the Year because this at least. I wouldn't say it's imaginative or creative because it's not, and the tagline means nothing once you've seen yeah. the movie. But like, they're trying this. Like, this was I felt like fairly ambitious for a movie, and despite a lot of the ideas failing, it wasn't the worst thing I've sat through. You know, it was no Wild Wild West. That's what no, I'm saying. I'm probably coming definitely. off of that movie. I think is probably yeah. why I'm being so generous. Yeah. But I'll give it a twenty. I hate to just uh, reiterate what you say when it comes to the ratings, but if we're going 18 and I have to round up or down, I think I round up. Um, so yeah, I'd say 20. Um, it's, you know, there's not a lot to it in terms of, you know, the adventure yourself, but it's kind of cool to see some literature that maybe, you know, come to life. I always find that concept kind of cool. I found the Moby Dick sequence very cool. Even artistically, I found that part cool. I like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde scene, even, uh, the idea of doing Treasure Island, I thought was kind of cool, even if they botched it, but um, there's nothing else going on. Macaulay Culkin is terrible. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, I think, is mailing it in a little bit. Yeah, um, I think they are. Christopher Lloyd. For, Christopher Lloyd, I guess, is just doing the same old. Yeah, Christopher same Lloyd's old, being Christopher I mean. Lloyd. Patrick Stewart is the bright spot. Yeah, yeah. he's incredible. I, you just wouldn't know that it's him listening to uh, his character. Um, so I think that's the one bright side, and the one song I thought was pretty good. But other than that, this movie really doesn't have anything going for it. Yeah. So. A 75%, I believe, is considered certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Next week's episode, for me, could very well hit that high. I just, and I don't want to I don't want to oversell it. I don't want to oversell it. But I know that I've seen this movie within the last probably three years and enjoyed it just as much as I the thousands or hundreds of times I saw it as a kid. I haven't seen it in a while, um, and I just don't think it's going to well, meet Get ready standards. to eat your words compared to everything we've watched <laughs> so far. Uh, so next week, we are doing 1999's. The Mummy. That's right. Uh, Brendan Fraser, dude. Oh, my God. And that's specifically why I don't think it's No, dude. You <laughs> get 70 points just for having him, dude. No. The five's just for the no. rest of the plot. Come on. <laughs> dude, WD, right? Oh, George of the God, Jungle? stop. All right. So I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Yeah, me too. It should be a good one. Yeah. We've got a whole uh, nice lineup of uh, horror-themed films for October, anyway. Halloween-themed films. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be interesting. Also... If you want to write into us, we have an email account now. That's right. It's nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. Email us with some suggestions for November because that is Listener Request Month. And just keep those requests coming too. So even if you don't make the cut in November, we'll do another Listener Request uh, period. Or we'll just take or the we'll idea and take, pretend yeah, that Or yeah, we'll just take you give your requests us. and pretend like they're ours. Um, I do, <laughs> we did do one request already, and I never gave him the shout out, but Chris Brownell... Uh, requested small Small soldiers soldiers, that's right and i told him i was going to shout him out and six episodes seven episodes later finally get (laughs) you're welcome good job chris but yeah no send those in because like like he said even if we don't get to them in november we'll probably get to them pretty soon yep uh like us on facebook like us on uh nbd.podbean.com and you can also of course subscribe to us on itunes and feel free to uh, write a review for us. It helps us out. It really does. Um, thanks everybody for just sharing the love. We've getting we're getting a lot of listeners lately, and yeah, uh, thank we you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the continued support, Zach. Did you want to mention anything about? Um, we kind of left it a cliffhanger last week about a certain 
incident that occurred at a college, I believe it was Harvard Law, you were then removed well, from the school? I mean, non-disclosure agreement, um, I've signed one. Let's just say I'm no longer attending the school. Right. This is all in some sort of legal battle to get us back on a network, uh, um, the network rather. Again, I'm going to reference the NDA, non-disclosure well, Yeah, yeah, but uh, from what I remember, it was a hazing incident Ooh, or something. NDA. 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 Okay, bud? Sure. Um, next week. Are you sure? Like, because there was something about shitting in a microwave. Non, 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 non-disclosure agreement. Okay. Shut right. your mouth. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the page master. This is good. This is definitely good. Dreams to awaken, roads to be taken, follow them.